welcome to You've Got Company, the show where we keep you company in our messy realities. Today, you've just got one Emma, that's me, talking, and I've been talking to a few friends about toxic masculinity and our thoughts on it. So I don't think there's too much else to say. If you've got any feedback, any more episode ideas for us, then get in touch at You've Got Company without any punctuation on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email us at you've got company podcast at gmail.com or check out our website, you've got company.co.uk. I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, everyone. We're going to be talking about toxic masculinity today, and we've got some guests on the podcast who I will let introduce themselves in a while. But just to make sure I remember to say this, um, I have noticed that we're doing a podcast on toxic masculinity and I asked three cisgendered males to come on. So we're, you know, not representing all views, but hopefully this gives us a flavor. And if we, if anyone else wants to contribute their views as well, that would be great. But for now, we're just gonna go around. We're gonna let everyone say a little hello. So first of all, to my right in the room. Hello. My name is Kyle, and uh, Emma invited me onto the podcast uh, to talk about toxic masculinity with two of my very good friends, and I'm very excited about it. I just wanted to, to add, just just to override what Emma said in a somewhat ironic way, uh, we are all cisgendered and white and from pretty privileged childhoods and upbringings and everything so uh yeah yeah that's just really been made apparent to me so ooh, i feel really good i'm excited <laughs> okay um and next let's have david yeah and i'm david so i'm uh, friends of kyle and ems as well um and yeah i'm i'm very happy to be to be here to talk about stuff I, it definitely occurred to me um before coming on here that there's not a lot of sort of definite answers that I have to any of the things that we might talk about. So I'm, I'm just, I'm curious to see where the conversation takes us. That's great. And James, is there anything you want to say before we start the podcast? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm James. I've known uh, Carl and Emma since, I guess, 2010. I think so, anyway, which is uh, quite a long time. Uh, and within the group of me, Carl and David, I am probably the one who tries to give more controversial answers <laughs> so I will try and not do that so much <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might be like I'm here to provide that view thank you guys. yeah 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 <laughs> well to kick us off the first thing I was going to open up with is what does masculinity mean to you is anyone particularly keen to start this one off and we can discuss it or is everyone going to be silent <laughs> I'm going I'm to take the game theory approach and wait to see other people how they. <laughs> it, it looks like James has something. Let's go to say. for James first to be the controversial opinion. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to be, hopefully, that controversial. Uh, well, in terms of my own opinion of masculinity, that would probably still stem from the kind of historic view of it. So when people talk about masculinity, it would be towards the kind of, uh, I guess, more macho kind of uh, style that was probably more historic than it is kind of modern mm -hmm. um, so more uh, kind of the 
traditional, I guess, gender roles is linked to masculinity and kind of how you're meant to act in certain situations. Um, Could you give me any examples? Of what? Gender roles? Of masculinity and like saying if you perceive it as something that's more macho, like what kind of thing does that make you think of? So it being, I guess, in, in general, less emotional with the exception of anger probably and kind of aggression being the one emotion that's kind of more tolerated uh, kind of in a, in a masculine kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle and David, do you, would I, you say you agree with those opinions? Would you go anywhere I, different? I would definitely agree with it. Like a couple of hours ago before doing this, I actually just typed into YouTube what is masculinity because I wanted to just have something to kind of work with because mm-hmm. I have such these vague kind of notions. And the first thing that came up was a video from someone who um, I, I guess you could say is probably adheres to quite sort of um, old-fashioned ways of looking at it. But they, they sort of said that they, they considered there to be four the phrase they used was tactical virtues and they were strength courage honor and competence and i guess that would pretty accurately describe how i view the sort of like old school version of masculinity that james is is talking about i feel Mm -hmm. like that's probably the kinds of stuff that people used to associate with the term it's it's, it's not it's not my own like personal relationship with with the concept but it's what i think of as the kind of like stereotypical masculinity set of attributes do you wait wait wait, sorry can i I jump in with one thing do you think that masculinity then is something that we are or that we are changing the definition of or are we moving away from masculinity being a thing to be honest i think it's a really ill-defined term like it became really apparent to me that i don't actually know like what it is i don't even really know what it means to me (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a, I think it's a bit of a, of a catch-all term that people will impose and project their own meaning onto. And I'm, yeah, as, as for how things are changing, I, I guess, but like, like I assume there's not really like a set sort of like, like idea of masculinity, even in the past, right? Cause it's going to vary across all sorts of cultures and, and time periods. So yeah, I, I don't know really. What, what do you think, Kyle? Fluid definition. Um, For me, I think I look at masculinity through the context of the um, like of the household and like us as a couple, Emma, um, and sort of what the man or or the patriarch's role is within. the family and household. Mm. I think that's sort of where I feel the largest effect of it on me. It's where I feel, you know, it's it's what I feel that I I should try to, I should try to achieve and should try to fit into more masculine roles at home in a way. I think that's where I feel the effect of it the most and that um i I wouldn't say i i i agree with this um but what i would say is that the 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 kind of the the pressure or expectation that i feel with that sometimes is to like um 
I guess, yeah, to not always feel emotional. It's more about, like, being rational and competent rather than emotional, you know, and taking charge of, uh, or, or, um, or when a problem happens that um, you're not overwhelmed, you just can control it and handle it. Um, and you're kind of there as a rock mm-hmm. for the other people in in your home. Um, but yeah, I think that, yeah, like I think I tend to look at it through the lens of us as a couple and, and, and our, our household mm-hmm. and things like that. So that kind of starts taking us into the next question as well and probably fits quite well with James's definition of, like, well, James' question of, like, how do we define masculinity? Is that definition changing or is it going away? I was going to ask you guys more, like, how do you think your ideas of masculinity affect your life? Like, is it something you think about? Is it then something you feel that there is pressure for you to live up to, for any other people? Um, and what about people of other genders as well? So I don't know if we want to break that down more, but let's maybe start with David on that one. Yeah, I I mean, there's there's definitely quite a few different pressures that I feel surrounding that. So to be honest, actually, I think I think the pressure that I feel most keenly around this area is is to avoid falling into into certain masculine traits and traps, mm-hmm. like 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 the the whole sort of like like rational versus emotional sort of thing. Like, I always feel like that there's a keen sort of like incumbency on me to to not go down the road of being like always rational and never emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I and I definitely feel that like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pressure to make sure that I'm I'm not sort of following any particular gender role. Um, so yeah, so 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 I I think I feel the most pressure to 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 be like going against the grain of like quote unquote traditional masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like like there's all of the the normal sort of like like masculine pressures that you get growing up where you you don't want to be seen to be showing certain emotions around certain groups of people um where there's a kind of like you know i i definitely feel a lot of pressure to be um to 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 not be inept i think is probably the biggest one okay i think that's really interesting as well because with you saying growing up you maybe felt more pressure so was it something that you've changed your ideas about masculinity and how it affects you over your life did you have a point where you like reflected on it and thought maybe i want to behave in a different way or has that always been a way you've thought about it um it's 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 maybe jumping the gun a bit because i because i think because i know we'll we'll talk about like toxic masculinity as a concept a bit later but i think certainly from the ages of like 16 to well still ongoing i suppose and you become like made much more aware of how sort of damaging some of these traits can be that you i i think that's probably when i felt like the pressure to specifically avoid certain habits um i i, I think that because there's there's a lot of my sort of like attributes are not particularly masculine to begin with like i've never really been in contention for being like like physically strong or particularly uh, like athletic among my peers or anything like that so i've so i've, I've never really had too much of a like pressure to do so just because some of that stuff was sort of always out of reach um but yeah no it's, it's it's absolutely something that's changed over over my life um i feel like i've become a lot more sort of accepting of myself of 
of not having to to be part of that model as opposed to just sort of like you know having failed in some way to not be a part of it i don't know if that makes sense i'm not even totally sure i'm being coherent here in my answers but i think that makes sense james would you have similar stories or do you have differences in how masculinity affects your life maybe how things have changed over time i'm happy to go first if you want yes please do uh so i'd say in terms of kind of the the i guess role in in life the that's probably the biggest effect because i don't don't feel like there's ever been any pressure to necessarily fit a, a certain mold and that is largely down to kind of i guess my parents being reasonably open to kind of follow what you think is is best to do but just in terms of the upbringing that I've had and in terms of the people that I was friends with, until I got to uni, there wasn't a single person I was friends with whose uh, mum was still working. It was always the fa- father working and all the mu- all the mums of my friends were stay-at-home mum, stay-at-home mums. I guess there were probably a couple of exceptions, but there, there was one who was, I guess, running a nursery uh, for kids in essentially the outhouse in their garden. And I think one was still being a part-time nurse so not 100% true but but in terms of the the main uh, I guess typical breadwinner mm. in the family was always uh, the the man and that's you know the same uh, situation in in my nuclear family as well so while the pressure isn't necessarily there from an external point of view there is definitely a a certain internal uh idea that you've kind of grown up with that still perseveres i have never envisioned myself being a stay stay at home husband for example Mm. um that's just not even something that has even crossed really crossed my mind as as a possibility that part of that is because i quite like uh the experience of of working and learning things within that environment and i accept that now, if I was a stay-at-home husband, I would probably learn things, obviously, through through that experience. But I have no kind of basis on which to kind of found an, an opinion on that. So that would probably be the biggest influence, I guess, of masculinity on my life. Yeah, that's... Um, it's really interesting that you're kind of talking on whether or not you would ever... Um, whether or not you would ever become a stay-at-home husband because this is a thing that I think Emma and I have talked on um, a little um, quite recently. Uh, we aren't having a kid or anything yet. Um, but but that, we have our cat to take care we of. We do have our cat to take care of. And, <laughs> and it really is a full-time job. Um, no, but, but like we've... Um, <clears throat> like we've talked on like what what will happen w- if and when we ever have a kid like would one of us either um leave our jobs uh temporarily um or less or um or would we just reduce our hours and um i think you know, that there there is a part of me that would really that really that, that, that I think I would really enjoy um, the role of a stay-at-home um, p- 
of a stay-at-home parent. Um, and it, it is a thing, like, if we were ever in a position where that was possible. And I, th because I think Emma, maybe, um, I don't want to put words in your m mouth here, I think work is maybe more important to you and more rewarding to you than it often is to m m me. Mm. And parenthood is something that I have, um, that I've wanted more strongly and for longer in my life than you have. So as much as it's something I would, I think I would enjoy, um, I definitely do feel a pressure, whereas I don't really think I could because, and, I, and again, I often think about what my, um, m m how my um, m male relatives <laughs> would respond to that. I imagine like calling them and saying, so, yep, I'm leaving work to look after our child and Honestly, one of the largest pressures I feel against it is how that conversation would go because I don't <laughs> think some of my relatives would take too well to that. Um, and just an, uh, an, another thing, uh, kind of to a lesser point, um, but still within that realm, I guess, is just within the household again. You know, I think, I, 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 I would imagine all of us, <clears throat> as we grew up, there were probably roles and jobs that one of our parents took on um, either exclusively or to a much greater extent than our other one. And um, one of those for me is, um, is, is driving. Mm. Whereas like whenever, whenever as a child and even at present actually, whenever our, um, whenever our, um, our whole family went out in the car it was pretty much always my um, my dad who drove and that was just how it was um, and driving is something I really do not do not enjoy um, I can and I think I'm okay at it but I'm always really anxious and I hate it and I always prefer it when Emma will drive when we're out, but any time that happens, there is a little part of me that feels really emasculated. And again, especially if we're with your parents, Emma, I feel that when we arrive or when we leave, if you get into the driver's seat and I get into the passenger seat, there's a little part of me that thinks, what do her parents think of this that Emma is driving? It sort of makes me feel like I'm not living up to my end of our relationship in a weird way um and that's so i think yeah um that's kind of the effect i think it has on m me like there are things that i either would or wouldn't like to do more of and i feel a pressure to go against that mm. because there are these kind of there's this image of what the man of the house is and his rules and they're often rules that I don't want to do. Would you empathize yeah. with sort of David's frame of mind with some things of looking at things and saying like oh I should do this because it's masculine or I shouldn't do this because that would be masculine and then thinking I should try and you know 
break down. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I feel each of those. <laughs> there are times when I think I need to do the masculine option mm. and times when I also feel I should categorically avoid <laughs> the traditional masculine option because that's wrong and problematic, as it often is. Um, Usually if something comes up where I'm like, oh, this would be the masculine thing to do, I, I, I have to always sort of think, oh shit, if, if I'm I'm doing this because it's the masculine thing I almost certainly shouldn't be doing it mm. and then and then sometimes I guess like you know it might happen to coincide with oh this is this is the right thing to do anyway mm. but yeah. but I definitely feel like if I catch something as being oh this this would be traditionally masculine I need to think carefully about how I'm approaching this yeah and and as a man as well um you know I do I we 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 were talking um just uh, just before we started recording, uh, that I felt like I I think I often went whenever there's a um, m- m- microphone or an audience in front of me, mm-hmm. I sort of have a natural tendency to try and jump in and take charge of that. But obviously, this isn't a podcast I'm running; it's yours. And I told everyone here that I'm going to make a real conscientious effort to hold those instincts back and sort of I'm a participant we had a conversation a while ago I think leading up to this as well where we were also talking about how useful are terms like masculine Mm. feminine and what does that mean because it's not like you yeah it's not like you should never do something because it's masculine like what if that's just your personality and even if if we didn't have those terms and we'd somehow were able to take masculinity and femininity the ideas out some people are going to be more like that and some people are going to be less yeah I, i i think what i said at the time was that i think i think the traits Mm. that people traditionally see uh, uh, traditionally see uh, as feminine or masculine i think there is a good argument for keeping for 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 having a way to um to to differentiate those broader category for differentiating those two broader categories um but that maybe the labels should be changed to kind of remove that from gender. Um, so like, I don't. I think. I think at the time we said maybe conflict and compassion, possibly. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think there was another one, but yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense at all. But it made perfect sense to me at the time. <laughs> yeah, just the idea that people will be different and people will always prefer different things. Because it's something that I, when we were talking about like things in the house as well, to where it's like, I think we've defaulted in a lot of our roles to you taking on things that are more stereotypically what the male does. We're we're talking specifically that I take the rubbish out. No, but also week. that I tend I to do more of the like cooking. You do the cooking, yeah, and I and I take the bins out, and, which yeah. is which is a job that I never had any yearning to do in the past, but now. If I don't have explicit and exclusive control of the bins, I find it very distressing. <laughs> Sorry, Emma, did you say that these were classically masculine or feminine roles that Kyle 
is so I think there are things that you do that are more classically masculine and the thing that as well that I was talking to my friend about over the weekend no it's Annie East the other day where I said there are things in the house where if we need to do certain things I'll presume that you know how to do them I'll change a light bulb yeah it's things like there's a lot of things around the house where it's partly as well just because it was a thing that when we were brought up my brothers were taught how to do certain things that I wasn't allowed to do I yeah. wasn't allowed to use super glue as a, until I was an adult yeah. and my brothers were. So there's things where I'm just like, well, Kyle will know how to use super glue and I won't because I've never, and like, I've never used a drill before. So yeah. the first time we had to use one, I was just like, well, Kyle will know. But, but, but I hadn't either. We had to, learn, we had to sit we down did, and watch, watch was, videos. Yeah, and that was like an eye-opening experience to be like, oh, okay, you're not just like sat down in a little man class of like... This is how you use a drill, and yeah. but, how do you use super yeah, glue? I, I, but, I don't know how to use a drill. <laughs> but as, as, as well, I, I wash our car. I hate having to drive it, but I like you keeping like it clean, it. and I like looking at it. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not into cars at all. I just want to... Oh, you're like, you're like one of those people who, who buys books... Uh, for, the, for the filling of their bookcase rather than reading them. No, I do that with records. I've got a shelf full of vinyl <laughs> records and I've, <laughs> and I've bought a load more. Anyway, that's different. And the thing as well with like working from home, that's really interesting that that did come up a few times in a few people's answers because I like remember having conversations with my friends at school about whether or not we wanted to be a stay-at-home parent. And it wasn't like... like it, The fact that it even came up at all, I don't know if you guys would have had those conversations with people when you were like 15 of like, do you think you're going to be a live at home parent? And like for us, it was like, it's an option. It's like, it is live at, it's like stay at home parent or have a job. And like, you could do either of those potentially. I don't think I, I ever spoke to any friends about anything other than what age we would be retiring at. So it <laughs> kind of has the, has the implication of your working... Well, I, I, I guess that, you know, there is always the possibility of returning to the workforce after a period of being a stay-at-home parent, but I, I feel like there have been many studies that have proven that's quite difficult, uh, <laughs> or, or at least yes. to, to go back on the on the same page that you were you were on if you've been out for a prolonged, more prolonged period of time. Um, but yeah, there was no one I spoke to at, at, at school who would have ever kind of even broach the topic of well I you know I see myself taking out a couple of years uh, while I look after my my future kids could I ask you guys a question which which I've been wondering about so like when I look at kind of um, like the the sort of sort of jobs and careers out there at the moment something that I am occasionally starting to see is um, paternity leave matching maternity leave and it's pretty rare but I'm seeing a few places that offer it. Um, and one of the things that definitely makes me think about is the, the really, really short paternity leave that, that is sort of like mm-hmm. mandated by the government. Always seems like, a, like, like insultingly too, too little. Um, but I'm, I'm curious whether you guys would, would, would want to take advantage of a paternity leave that was as long as a maternity leave that a company was offering if you could or would you feel like a pressure that oh you wouldn't want to be away from your career too long because i because i can kind of i can because when you you were talking about both of you about the kind of pressure to or like to 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 be a working individual and and not to be working as a stay-at-home parent like i definitely sort of thought wow if i if i was a stay-at-home parent i would definitely sort of feel like oh i've got to have to lift myself 
to kind of get through this whenever I tell anyone about it. Like I'll have to sort of steal myself internally to, to sort of protect my, you know, feelings of, of, of that I'm going outside the norm there. Um, yeah. So, so on a, on a smaller level, like, would you, how, like, would you want to take like a long paternity leave if you could? I would. Yeah. And I think that comes to, uh, what I talked on earlier about, um, how parenthood is a thing that I've kind of wanted ever mm-hmm. since I was a child. I've wanted to like have, like have a child of our own at one stage. Um, and yeah, yeah, I do, you know, uh, yeah, I do think it's, it's unfortunate that paternity leave isn't, um, isn't kind of at the same level as maternity. I can understand why it isn't, um, you know, but yeah, like I would, I would like it if we ever have a kid that I could take that time off work and that's, and that's accepted and it's something you're entitled to as well um to have that time to get used to your new life as a parent i think it's really interesting how parenthood has become quite a large part of our conversation when (laughs) none of us here have kids and i think it isn't in the immediate short or mid-term future for any of us really so we're all just kind of grasping at these rough ideas we have but the the issue is is that kind of I, i guess fundamentally when you're talking about masculinity you either gravitate to gender roles in in a marriage setting or in, or a relationship setting rather uh or to gender roles within uh the kind of work and social space so kind of it there yeah, there is because yeah. those are the easiest ones to find examples of of of, of situations yeah. where things may be deemed more more masculine or not and it's on that as well it's interesting because i think every job every proper job at least that i've ever had has been in an industry that is predominantly with women mm. um like the the two workplaces like the real jobs i've had since i moved to england um yeah have been in offices that are predominantly with women um so i maybe I obviously, compared to James anyway, I have much less first-hand, ex- uh, first-hand ex- experience of an office with a man in charge, you know. Uh, so maybe that's why that has been, that's maybe why the whole like household thing is the lens that I look at it through a lot more, possibly. Um, One of the... Um... If if we're if we're still on the point about just just thinking about ways that masculinity kind of affects us, um, when you mentioned James about like the, the the social sort of side of it, like I could I could probably draw a lot of very clear examples of how like I'm likely to to act in a in a just a circle of male only friends compared to like if I'm in a circle of of mixed mixed genders or 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 if I'm just in a circle of like just just women. Like I definitely feel like I I I am much more, like, prickly if I'm just in a circle of male friends. <laughs> and there's a lot of pressure for like like one-upmanship, and in some ways I actually find it a lot more relaxing when I when I am not in an environment where I feel like I have to sort of like, you know, bring a certain game to every interaction. 
Well, yeah, I had a, an interesting kind of comparison because I'd been on two two stag do's in the past kind of uh, I guess couple of years. One of which was just all guys, uh, and one of which was a mixture of guys and girls. So I believe that one was termed as a stag slash doe do. Um, <laughs> And but both of them involved playing uh, bubble football or zorb football or whatever it's called, and the uh, the way that the game is played by certainly okay, it's different groups of friends, so maybe they have different ideas how how it would be played anyway. But when I was playing with just the group of male friends, it was less about scoring the goal and more about how much could you kind of throw someone else to the ground and how aggressively and kind of essentially it was just a game of British Bulldog and the the football was secondary whereas in the one where there was kind of people kind of people of of, of both I'm going to be dangerous here I'm going to say that they were people of both genders there (laughs) but um, but in that game it was a lot more uh, kind of about actually kind of playing football now maybe Maybe the people I was playing with in, in, in the second one were just more about the, the idea of scoring goals in football. But neither of the groups of friends that I was with there, neither of them would I say, kind of, oh, they're, they're massive football fans. Um, so, But I definitely would have felt, I guess, more guilty if I was trying to absolutely launch kind of one of the girls on the, on the, on the stag slash dodo Quite a while, quite a way, rather than one of the guys on, kind of the the other stag do, and so I guess that's where it also, kind of affects it. But I don't know how much of that is kind of me making, uh, I, I guess rough kind of physical calculations versus kind of what should actually be happening in that situation. But also anecdotally as well, one thing that I noticed is, is Kyle and I are having a wedding later on this year. We're both having bridesmaids slash groomsmen and we both decided to have activities leading up to it with the parties. Mine, I was immediately like, the message I sent to everyone was like, right guys, we're all gonna come up with challenges. They're all gonna be fun. We're gonna have easy options. If there's any that anyone doesn't wanna do, the aim of this is all about having fun, having a great time. Let me know if you're worried about anything. It's all great. Kyle's system, was much more we're gonna have yeah. points and there will be a winner yeah. at each round and i just i thought that was kind of interesting that it split into kind yeah. of maybe more traditional gender things there so, of like i was immediately like let's all be non-competitive everyone should get along and you're immediately like this should be competitive to give I kyle his credit you. though his his management of this sort of week to week and day to day has been has been very admirably like like I, I don't know about you james but i feel like everyone has been given a lot of support and and like everyone's been complimented for every single entry, and so I, I feel mm-hmm. there's been a lot of a lot of really compassionate kind of handling of that. But I would I say it so, is true. It but, is still but a competition, at, I guess. At the same time, I, I definitely would feel guilty if I didn't, if I wasn't uh, competing in one one of the months. I felt guilty <laughs> enough. One of the challenges that we were set was a was essentially a, a, a photo uh, treasure hunt, or, or you you had to get. Um, Kind of photos and examples of of certain things in the in the Halloween theme. It was a good month. I, yeah, it was it was a good month. But I certainly felt guilty about not being able to get photos of every single one of them. Um, so 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 there 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 is you know support there, but it's also definitely competitive because there, there's there's guilt about disappointing 
Kyle, but there's also the, oh, that probably means I'm not going to win and I, I want to win, regardless of whether there's any prize or anything. It's just, <laughs> I want to oh, be yeah. the best at this. Uh, I've been very competitive, like behind <laughs> the scenes. I've been, I've been consumed at times with a, with a, like, not even to win. It, it's, it's more the pressure of, I have to equip myself. I have to do well enough that I am, I am like achieving respect among my peers for my showing. <laughs> like so, so like there's a there's a lot of that, I, I, and I, I I think I get that a lot in lots of my sort of interactions. Definitely, I mean probably with people in general, but definitely it's more pronounced with, with with male friends where I feel like like oh I need I need to achieve like enough of a of a of a level of of of, of um maybe is respect the right word. Yeah, I, I guess it goes back to that feeling of oh yeah I need to at least equip myself here. I don't need to be the best, but I need to be good enough to be to be not not sort of laughed out of the pack and and definitely in sort of like verbal conversation if there's sort of like like a back and forth happening i think i probably feel more of a pressure to be like oh there has to be a response to that 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 can't be allowed to slide <laughs> so, like even even in just like like general sort of like like joking sort of way like if a if a joke is sent one way like a response has to be sent back even if it's all very kind of like you know very friendly in tone and very friendly in intent. I think there's more of a tendency to do that than if I was just chatting with like mm. female only friends. I I feel at the minute. Uh, I feel I feel I feel I feel that's quite a pointed comment. <laughs> no, I just I'm now going through the history of our friendship, my David, because there have been times where we've talked about it where I feel I made you the butt of a joke, and uh, like completely unwarranted, and now I think. Just as 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 I mentioned earlier about me trying with this podcast not to be really out there and to like on, I definitely feel even when just the three of us, um, um, us lads here on the call, whenever it's just us who are talking, you know, I feel, yeah, it's nearly, it's it, it's competitive, in a way, you know, yeah, which I think is what we've all been talking about the last really ten minutes, like. And sometimes you come away from conversations with your best friends and, you know, you feel like you've just gone 15 rounds and you lost and it's exhausting. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk to them for a little while. And <laughs> yet, I love them. You know? And it's, it, it can be tough. It really can. But I mean, we, we literally had an interaction, I think, once where the three of us were talking in yeah. uh, one of Kyle's uh, flats when he was in Edinburgh. And one of Kyle's flatmates came in and, and questioned whether we were actually friends because the debate we'd got into had got so yeah. uh, aggressive and, and, and kind of... Uh, probably our conversations can go towards kind of quest questioning other aspects of, of our personality that yeah. are unrelated or somewhat unrelated to the topic at hand. <laughs> but there, there have definitely been questions about how we maintain a friendship when we can be so kind of vitriolic to each other. Yeah. Do you even like each other? I think those are the exact <laughs> yeah. words the guy used. I think we, 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 we had uh, just entered like ad hominem attacks on each other by that stage, I think. It was, uh, it was becoming quite unpleasant. God, were, were we really? My memory is we I were don't talking think so. about, about Ant-Man. We were having the Ant-Man. <laughs> Let's let's move on by doing it. I think a lot of the discussion thus far has been more of the negative sides, potentially. I don't know if you guys would agree with that, but are there mm. things where you would say the idea of masculinity has it brought positives to your life? Do you think there are positives for having that label? There there are times 
there are times when I feel like I have lent into or or yeah, there's like tended towards the masculine approach and have come away from like specific encounters where that's happened and felt great about myself. Like um Is it because you've acted in a masculine way and you are a man or just like that was the right way to act? I think it's kind of all that it's like it, it was it reaffirms who I am as a man. <laughs> uh it, uh, it, 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 and, and, and I got what I wanted. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, it's like specifically, we towards the end of 2021, uh, we purchased a car, uh, and for the first time, and again, I don't know anything about cars. I come from, uh, I come from a, um, from a, from a family a line of car people from a line from a long line of car loving lambs uh, no like yeah the the um where the people i'm related to are into cars and would know how to go into that because again it, it feels like combat in a way it's like i'm going into a room with a man with a man who has a car that i want and i need to get the most out of him that i can and if i don't achieve that it was very weird i'm not a man but it, it, it felt weird to be there <laughs> and, you know it felt <laughs> it felt it, weird to watch you i felt like a child who'd just been pushed into adulthood and yet mm-hmm. and yet i think i swam those waters i didn't <laughs> sink i felt i swam and you know there was a t- when we were walking out of the garage keys in hand happy with the deal that we made after a call to my father to make sure that we were making a good deal, I must say. Um, so was it? So yeah, was the act of good. getting a car was the masculine thing? Or no, the it was the encounter with the, the salesman. The encounter with the two men behind the desk. In their suits. Uh, but, but it's like things like even, even just like um, raising an issue at a restaurant to like a waiter. So like, excuse me, this isn't hot enough. You know, it's something again that your father would take care of. I don't know. No, I... No, I'm not going to. No, James okay. or David, do you have anything, any similar experiences, any positives? Would you agree with that? Would you, or would you think that Kyle is completely wrong? <laughs> I would always I'm, love I'm, to I'm say that Kyle's wrong. I'm suppressing an urge to do exactly what I was just talking about in the previous <laughs> conversation where I go like, well, Kyle's completely wrong in that. I, I, honestly, I'm just, I'm just reining it back. I've had that for the whole, you know, it just, having the three of us in a scenario like this, the instincts you're are there. You're not trying to like agree and build not, on each no, other. No, you're trying to one up, you're trying to get a laugh. I think that's a big part yeah. of it. And it, it, it. It's getting a laugh and being the most intelligent person in the room. Yeah. Yeah. The, getting that biting wit across. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which, every, everyone loves to have that, that fact that you. So some, someone's talking about a conversation and I think there's, there's a. Uh, or a, about a topic and there's a somewhat of a, a kind of a glee that you can get by being like I know that that person has read this in an article that's incorrect or that's been proven wrong now <laughs> and then you kind of you almost want to get out the scientific paper or, or the news article that proves them wrong yeah. and goes well actually the most recent studies on this and then kind of almost like stapling it to, to, to their head to kind of just just because it just gives you that that <laughs> slight te- very temporary feeling of superiority on a topic that you didn't really need to be that uh, mm-hmm. that thing but I also on, turning that into a positive I think it it does mean you, your need your need to be the kind of the best person in, in, in a room does mean that you will 
be more proactive at making sure that you are informed on things because you don't want to be that person who says something that then immediately gets kind of questioned like where did you read that or kind of <laughs> who, who like which kind of sideways article somewhere have, have you been been reading so it does my my desire to not be wrong definitely leads to me kind of reading up on a lot more topics uh than i probably should be um but i reading feel like all the synopses of the shows rather than watching the shows exactly making, <laughs> making sure that i can uh, contribute to water cooler conversations <laughs> <laughs> the um I, I guess the sort of like traditionally masculine traits which I am most likely to view so positively, and again I should emphasize that these aren't like exclusive to to, to masculinity or to, or to men, but tend to be the ones that are more sort of associated with like like old school notions of like honor and resilience. Like if if you sort of feel that you're like like pulling together with a group of people, and particularly I would get this with sort of like like male camaraderie sort of sort of examples in the past there can be a sort of like i don't know yeah that like you can kind of get a positive sense that you're like positively contributing to the tribe which feels like it kind of hues a little bit to that kind of like those those kinds of masculine traits so that there, there can be a positive sort of side to that i guess um yeah i suppose that would be the one that that comes up most for me I think um, as well, like what what we uh, what we touched on earlier, um, <clears throat> that like the one that one thing that you want to try and 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 achieve in like a conversation with a group of uh, with a group of um, men is laughter, which I don't think is exclusively a gender thing at all, but it is just something. <laughs> I was wondering, we try not to laugh. But um, really, a thing I found really interesting, and this maybe isn't too pertinent to the chat at all, but, um, and I've seen this specifically in the, um, in the um, movies, um, the, uh, the expendables, the exp the and also from, t from the trailers, of the grand tour um, is a thing that like as a way to emphasize yeah these men are great like they like each other look at how much fun they're all having is that when someone cracks wise in the conversation there's a reaction shot of the other men sharing a laugh which just, it seems really unnecessary and is a bit cringe and it just seems like a lazy way for the writers and creators of those to show that these men like each other and they're friends. It's like, <laughs> look at them laughing at each other's jokes and yeah. it just, it feels like it padding it out of place. Out, it? Yeah, and it's specifically yeah. in those two things, <laughs> the Expendables and Top Gear slash The Grand Tour. It's like moments where, yeah, they're all, it's, it's all in good fun. They're good <laughs> friends. And yeah, that's fun for me. Can I ask you guys a question about like a sort of traditionally masculine trait, which, which I find myself quite sort of drawn to as being positive, even though I know that there's a lot of negative sides to it as well, which is, I guess, like, like stoicism, like your ability to just kind of like, like take the blows of life mm -hmm. without sort of cracking and, and just to kind of keep, keep absorbing that, or even to be like, like 
to take sort of like as much of it as you can to avoid other people having to do so and taking pride in that. Would would you? Because I, I I know that's kind of like like there are so many studies as to why that's a really bad sort of mindset to have or can be. But there's definitely like a, quite an ingrained part of me that sort of says like oh you should get points for that. Well well done for acting that way, which I have to sort of work against sometimes, but. You can, there's, there's kind of like a positive element to that sort of thing. I don't know if you, you guys find that. I, I, I think... I, 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 I see where you're coming from on that. That at times it is a, a virtue. Um, like, if again, if we just look at like a couple or a household and if something happens that... If there's like a tragedy that affects each of you, if one um, person, yeah, yeah, like I like I th- I think again it it wouldn't need to I think yeah, tr- typically it is the um man who they would who 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 is expected to remain st- uh, stoic, um, but I think in general if one of you is feeling that w- 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 worse. If someone's having a stronger emotional um, risk, uh, a stronger emotional response, then if 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 the other person is able to kind of weather it more and kind of act as a rock to them and as a support to them, and um, yeah, I, I I think there is a virtue in that, but I think like our understanding and acceptance of um, mental health problems and for men is uh, for men especially you know I think there is this um, like I think like universally people are aware of the issues with um, of 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 the um, the abnormally high prevalence of suicide in men and young men especially which I you know I'm sure ties into that in some way or another you know it shows how harmful that is and I think men generally are becoming more open about their emotions and thing I, I I think I am quite a lot and but like w- with you Emma I think I am a lot I mm. don't know how often I am with you guys on on this call and I'm really close with you guys and I, I definitely have opened up with some things but I think I think there are situations where like I, if you can handle it and it's to support someone else and as long as there is support that you can receive from elsewhere then I think there is a virtue to it um, but yeah, I think you run the risk of your own mental health crumbling, and regardless of gender or whatever, I, that's never healthy or good. Um, I, I should and, maybe yeah. clarify that what I was saying was not intended to be like promoting this as a as a good thing necessarily, but more that like no, no. it is it is one of the aspects of traditional masculinity yeah. that I feel like like on some level allure towards. Yes. And, I it, it, and, and there's you know there there are positive and negative aspects of that, and you've outlined a lot of the potentially really seriously negative aspects of it. Mm. Um, yeah, 
What do you I think, Jim? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, there, there's not not that much I can to add to what you two are saying. I feel like you've covered most of the points there. Um, I was sidetracking myself on on thinking how my, my in a kind of side conversation. Uh, how... how can I get my car as clean and no, no. <laughs> as well as possible? I take it to the Sainsbury's car wash. Um, <laughs> Uh, I I was just thinking that from people I know who have kind of studied abroad in other countries, I feel like the typical gender roles and masculinity versus femininity is more prevalent in kind of other other countries outside of kind of the UK and, and bits of the US uh, now because like everyone I know who's been to kind of Spain for a prolonged period of time or South America or or China or Russia they've always kind of said that they that they that made them uh somewhat more appreciate that uh, while things are obviously not perfect in the UK or in the US we have more we've taken more steps to getting to getting out of the idea of I guess toxic masculinity uh, than some of these other countries have definitely in 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 kind of the areas that these people have uh, have have been to so i'm sure there are there are also areas on these uh, these countries that are kind of taking steps towards that but i i feel that if you speak to people who have been to kind of the more obviously rural areas but kind of the the uh more kind of working class environments those gender roles and and, and masculinity versus femininity seem to be more pronounced uh, there um, and I don't know what that kind of really says but it, it's, it was just a, a point that crossed my mind I think that leads us nicely into the talking about toxic masculinity James, thank you very much <laughs> Almost <laughs> so what we're planned. from the negative <laughs> to the positive right to the toxic um, <laughs> so to uh, we've already discussed a bit about then one aspect of toxic masculinity there how what is toxic masculinity to you and do you think it's affected you very much i'm gonna direct that to james first uh so i'll start off by saying that personally i don't think toxic masculinity has affected me but i would definitely tend to class myself as someone who doesn't re necessarily care what other people think about them most of the time. There are there are obvious exceptions to this, but most of the time, if someone has a problem with me, kind of in 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 terms of uh, I'm not acting in 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 a masculine enough way, that tends to be something that either I will very much enjoy getting into an argument about, or I will just ignore them. Not not necessarily try and be like, oh, okay, I need to adhere to this this stereotype. Um, I feel like, from my perspective, toxic masculinity itself would be things like, well, I guess, is mansplaining part of the, the idea of toxic masculinity? Um, which is, I guess, the, the supposed... Um, I've actually not realised I've never really understood what Man's explaining is uh, well, James. <laughs> <if I'm there. laughs> um, 
but but because uh, because uh, whenever whenever I think about mansplaining, I always get really annoyed about manspreading because I definitely would class myself as a manspreader, but I kind of yeah there there are certain certain um, physical attributes that mean that that's sometimes more. <laughs> more necessary and and I try and minimize encroachment on other people's areas when, when when I do it but it's just it's more comfortable and I don't really want to be uncomfortable when I'm sat on a train or a tube or um but I appreciate that that is me being somewhat selfish uh but I would never see that as like inherently masculine I see that just as selfish of wanting to be more comfortable Go on, Kyle. You're, you're yeah, no, this is this is that's something that hadn't even, hadn't even occurred, uh, hadn't even occurred to me earlier on. But I think, uh, I I think for me, the subject of man spreading is a really pertinent one regarding toxic um masculinity. Because when the term when I first heard that term. It really put um, my hackles up. Like I was really, I get like it was. It just it, it was political correctness gone mad. <laughs> no, it was um, because and I, I think I should probably preface <laughs> preface this um, with just like I'm I'm on the larger end of everything. Like I'm a, I, 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 I take up a lot of room. Um, and that's something I am very self-conscious about uh, on the, the on the train and tubes and planes and everything. Um, but yeah, it was that it, 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 it felt like this was something that was unfairly assigned to men that yes, we take up um, more room. And there's something wrong with that. And how, why should we be expected to sit with our legs and all that? And then, and um, and 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 of course, women can be just as you know they they will put their handbags on other seats and blah and all this. Um, and so at the time that was kind of and I was really against the term being used. But then I think I've sort of learned over time that it's not just. God, this is now me mansplaining. Mansplaining. <laughs> what, what, what it took me a while to realise, I guess, is that it's not just the physical room you take up. And it's not just that, yes, a man anatomically has to have his legs slightly more spread apart. Um, um, it's that... It's, it's, it's the spreading out. It's making the room... It's it's taking up that room through choice. You know, you you feel comfortable to put your arm out and straddle another chair with that, and this is something that I believe women don't feel as comfortable with. Or if 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 as an example, you're on a packed tube, and there's only one empty and there's only one empty place there. I think if a man had spread out and put his arm or his coat on that chair, I think one, that is more likely to happen compared to a woman having like having something of hers. But as well, I think the public in general would be quicker to approach and ask a woman to take her things off that chair than they are a man. 
I think they would just look at the man and either be too, too, too scared to ask him to move it than a woman. I think that's maybe. I'm sure it's it's a more nuanced issue than that. But essentially, I went from being staunch, from staunchly thinking man spreading isn't something that we need to concern ourselves with. I won't spread out like that ever. To sort of realizing there's more of a nuance to that, and it speaks to how men act in public in general in ways that aren't helpful to people. Because I w- so I'm presuming you don't need this space. The space I'm taking up at the minute. Yeah. Ooh. Like if um, you consider that I'm sitting with my legs crossed. Yeah. Over here. But I was sat like you were like sat that. with your legs yeah. wide and then gesturing and, and doing, like I felt like it was kind of ironic that as you were explaining it, I was literally like I'm tucked in the corner. I am. And you're taking. I am physically pushing them out <laughs> of her own podcast. <laughs> no, it's um. Yeah, that's, but the the way I think and I realize that this is. Not going to help the podcast audience, but there is, you know, a man can quite comfortably sit with his legs completely spread out like that, but it's not required. You know, you can just. Yeah, I think I can understand that you might need physically a bit more space, but often I think the examples that are given are. You give an inch and you take a mile. You don't need them to be like, I'm taking up two seats worth of space. Is often. But I think it has. And I agree with that as a very large man. Yes. Yeah. I think it has been kind of co opted in some ways to like draw anger to being like oh this is a ridiculous thing people who are this is yeah feminism is just ridiculous then what do they want they're wanting absurd things um and yeah and yeah i would agree with uh, mansplaining in my understanding is a man explaining a topic to a woman often something that they have more experience of or they have the knowledge of but it's just sort of like oh you won't understand this. I'm going to ha- need to explain this to you. I'm going to need to like patronise you with an explanation. So, so c- could I could I let, kind of put a couple of examples, I guess, and, and work out whether they would be classed as, as mansplaining or not? Because mm-hmm. when, when you gave that description, my immediate thing is going to like all the stuff to do with the, the US kind of... Um, uh, the government, I guess I'll, I'll call it. I can't remember what the the uh, two kind of houses are, are called, but them uh, essentially dictating what a woman a woman what a woman can and can't do with her body in the context of, of a kind of abortion and, and, and pregnancy. And so that's always where you kind of immediately leap to kind of well, that's kind of at 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 its most kind of minimal. That is at very least. Uh, mansplaining. It's got a lot of other things wrong with it, but it is. But it's men being like, "Listen, I think that women, you know, need 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 to do this this thing and explain that." But if it is the, does it go so far as to say that kind of mansplaining would be a man uh, explaining, for example, how I'm going to try and choose a typically or a stereotypically masculine job, how a drill works to a woman on a construction site? without knowing whether she does or doesn't know how yeah. to use it. It's sort of the assumption that like because she's a woman, she won't understand how this works. I would say with her first example, that's almost a bit stronger because that's more like a group of men deciding something about yeah. women rather than just explaining it to them. But yeah, I think I guess like, I was more yeah. going with the with, with how the how the people who justify their positions on yeah, those they're things like, oh, no, talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, because 
Well, once once we're done, and obviously we let David talk about uh, his his opinions on uh, toxic masculinity, but I would be really curious, Emma, to know what you would class as toxic masculinity, because mm-hmm. there may be things that we either don't even consider as being part of it being kind of uh, kind of cisgendered males I always forget what the term is um, but kind of there may be things that at least I may have missed in terms of what may or may not be classed as it but I will yeah, yeah I was going to do a little bit at the end to try and give it the perspective as well because obviously masculinity doesn't just affect people that identify as men it also affects people of all genders in some ways so we can do that at the end um, but yes, yeah. so to move to David, toxic yeah. masculinity. So, so you, you guys have covered quite a bit of stuff there. Um, I guess the, the aspects of toxic masculinity, which like, I always feel most wary of, and which I always try to sort of avoid as much as I, as I can, um, to, to whatever success is probably not for me to say, um, is, I guess, I guess so, so one is, is, is feeling able to be like emotionally open. I won't, I won't talk too much about this because I think we've kind of covered a lot of ground on this already, but it's, it's that feeling of not being able to, to show your emotions for being seen as weak or, or just maybe to actually add a little bit more to that. With me, it's not so much being seen as weak or unmanly, but the idea that, oh, I would be a burden to people would, would, would tend to be the, the sort of concern there. And that leads to all sorts of like, like bad suppression of feelings and an inability to actually connect with people. So, so there's, there's that. Um, I think the, the thing that I, I really sort of associate with like the most sort of toxic side of masculinity is the, the sort of tendency to assume control in a situation, which, which can have, you know, in, in particular contexts can be a, a, a good thing, I suppose. But I always feel like there's a, the, there's a lot of risk of someone thinking, right, well, I, I need to be in charge of this situation and so I will assert it to sort of take take the reins, and the idea of that kind of makes me feel very very uncomfortable. And you get it a lot in all male circles, and you obviously get it in in all sorts of relationship and domestic situations as well. But that always seems to me to be the the quickest way to hell in, in this kind of <laughs> kind of context, and that if it's not sort of if you're not very vigilant about like as a man about whether or not you're engaging in that sort of stuff i always feel like there's there's a lot of risk of doing a lot of damage there um i think yeah, i think i think the idea of someone feeling like i was trying to exert authority or control over them is always is always kind of a concern and i think that a lot of that comes from from old school and traditional notions of masculinity and 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 men feeling like that that is somehow something they ought to be doing or or have a right to be doing mm. i don't know I, I think that's where i tend to go to most yeah. of this, this i topic. guess it's a bit like a there's the double-edged sword of what we were saying earlier of the competitiveness and feeling like you want to be right can be a really good thing because it can encourage you to learn more and educate yourself and think about what you say before you talk but then the desire to like be right all the time and be competitive and be the leader might mean that you put yourself in spaces that you shouldn't be in and that someone else might be more equipped to be in and instead you're kind of leading it but from an under a, a position without enough knowledge to do that yeah yeah 
I, I generally kind of really don't like the feeling of power when I get it. It's, it makes me very, very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah. I th yeah. The, the fear of abusing power is definitely, is definitely sort of, sort of, I think quite, quite a strong one. Um, yeah. That, that's the side of masculinity, which I'm, I'm very wary of. Anything to add to that? Okay. Good. Any more thoughts on toxic masculinity? Um, I was only going to ask, and this is to, to uh, I guess, everyone here, um, whether anyone had any opinions of things that may be classed as toxic masculinity that they think are incorrectly classed as, in, as as toxic masculinity. <laughs> Expect, he asked expecting the answer now. There generally aren't any that spring to mind. Genuinely I think, not. No. I think with me, my, my sort of feeling is that like, if, if a large portion of society is saying that it's toxically masculine, then it almost is by default. Because if people are having a toxic experience from it, then then there's a, then there's a good chance that, that there's something that needs to be looked at there. Um, obviously, it doesn't quite boil down to just one person saying like like something super specific or irrelevant is is automatically toxic because they've declared it to be so. But I think it's it's more from like it's it's like like I I don't know what what people's experience is like from interacting with me are going to be and so when they they tell me i feel like it's probably incumbent on me to listen rather than saying no there's nothing there's nothing wrong with with the way i'm acting or there's nothing wrong with with this sort of expression of my masculinity even even if it doesn't sort of like feel bad to me if it if, if other people are having a, a toxic experience of it then then i have to sort of sort of take blame well i have to assume that that is that that is the case You know, James, does that mean that you did you have examples that you were no, no, of? I, I had no examples. I was it was just uh, the kind of question that I could imagine certain people in certain of my friend groups asking or thinking about because mm -hmm. I, there are definitely people I know who believe that uh, who would probably subscribe to the the, the more kind of um, the, I guess Ben Shapiro's and oh. uh, Jordan Peterson's of the world um, <laughs> about kind of the the fact that a lot of things or they believe that a lot of things get lumped in uh, to the toxic masculinity thing and it, it kind of is eroding what it means to be a man etc um, and I was just basically seeing whether there were any kind of lower stakes ones that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that anyone thought here I was not assuming that I was going to get some kind of something in, in, in those two previously mentioned people's ilk uh, coming, coming out of this conversation but it was just making sure <laughs> I wish my room was a bit cleaner I suppose that's the <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I think that's interesting as it maybe leads into the point about masculinity and all genders slash other genders than cis male as well because it would be interesting if you thought about like femininity and how if you got different responses to that and whether people because I think 
I think I've been a bit surprised in this that it was roundly negative about masculinity is how I've kind of taken it away. There were a lot more negative mention than people being like, these are like the positive versus the negatives. Which mm. I don't know if you would have for femininity. Um, I'm trying to think how to like link this to the next bit. <laughs> In terms of how it affects like me slash potential people of other genders I would I would say that it's probably a similar to what you guys have said though of it being having the term of like masculinity growing up was that like there are like certain boxes to tick to be male and those were like the masculine boxes and certain boxes to tick to be more female and those are like the feminine boxes and it was always a bit challenging because there were maybe things that like I would feel a bit more masculine about but then you don't feel like you can address those or maybe more like things where I was like I don't feel that feminine about this so that feels more challenging because it feels like it's defined you define like feminine and masculinism as like the two genders mm. rather than it being like traits that you might have or might not have that we were saying previously. yeah yeah like I, th- I, th- I think I think that's it. It goes to the um, to what we talked on earlier that those traits exist, um, and we've categorized them in this way. But I think I think maybe the, the most harmful part of that is linking them extreme is linking them inextricably. If we're not pronouncing that right, um, linking them to gender and then also as well linking them to good and bad because the thing is the point I thought before was the book Lean In which obviously when it first came out everyone was like this is great it's about like women and the reason that women aren't getting ahead is because they're not acting masculine enough so women can be better by acting more masculine and I think there's been a kickback to that of people being like but that therefore implies that like everyone should have more masculine traits and that those are like the good traits to have but maybe that's not what we should be doing maybe it would be better if everyone swung a bit the other way so so is that kind of in the in the context of because i feel like a lot of these things go to men being more likely to well historically more likely to get the the promotion and and, and those yeah kind of it's that kind of like it's, it's definitely more in a workspace it's like you're not getting promoted you're not getting um your pay rise you just need to be a bit more confident so um, would you would you not say that the kind of the, the masculine trait that they're they're kind of i guess leaning on there is to be more assertive and yeah uh, extra but the the argument to that would be that it's because because i hate kind of sometimes hate this in in my job because i am definitely not very extroverted especially in the in the workplace i'm someone who's like well you know if i do if i do all the work correctly and then i'll I'll be sure to be kind of promoted but then someone who may do the job less kind of less well might get seen because they are a lot more public about it Mm. and i feel like that's the the main thing there is just that if you are a good salesperson for your own skills then you are more likely to get promoted mainly because the people who are looking for these promotions will not have all the time in the world to sift through every little thing that you've kind of you've done 
that you haven't been kind of a salesperson about, and therefore they are essentially going off on kind of or kind of going with what they are being presented with in a in a more passive uh, way. So I guess that's the reason why masculinity is 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 linked with that one is that if masculinity is linked to being more assertive and more kind of shouty about one's achievements that I feel like is always going to link to at least more visibility for better and for worse because if you obviously if you screw up you've been a lot more shouty about something that, <laughs> that has then gone wrong um, so I, I I guess is is therefore the the counter to that that the upper the people who are making these decisions on these hypothetical promotions should be spending more time looking at what people who are less shouty about their work are doing. I guess there's there's a point for me raised of being like you should be proud of your achievements and speak about them. I think the potential negative of doing that is the point that I mentioned earlier of like I think we've all seen people who are a little bit too confident in their achievements and who are maybe then placed into positions that they shouldn't be in. And actually it's like, well, I think maybe they were like bigging themselves up a bit too much. They were a bit too overconfident and they don't deserve what they have. So it's like, should we all be? Are you talking about me? Definitely, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but, but should the, should the idea there, therefore not be to try and make the assertiveness and the salesiness of uh, that one is about their achievements make that not either masculine or feminine but to remove yeah. to, to remove it from being associated rather than saying but people with typically feminine traits should also be considered for these things it's, it's more about removing because i think you're always going to struggle to make it so that the person who gets that promotion is more likely to get it or, or equally likely to get it if they're less shouty as if they are shouty about it. Mm. That's going to be a struggle because otherwise salespeople's jobs just don't exist. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, you know, the person who sells you the car, um, then there's no, not really any point in trying to make sure that, uh, that they're the one who sells it because it just needs to be kind of someone sells it. Someone then... sells the car, yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, I guess that would be... I don't really know where this point was originating and going towards, <laughs> but it was it was more about kind of the fact that assertiveness is likely to always be part of how to, at least in the uh, career world, how to get up, get up the rungs. So it's more about making sure that that is less of a masculine trait, which surely therefore requires more women to be assertive in order to take back the label of or, or the uh, the linkage between being assertive and being masculine I think though part of the argument is that that way of thinking about it is very much staying within like well this is how society works this is how jobs and promotions work so we need to work within that framework whereas it might be difficult to change that but maybe there is a good rationale to say well actually how we're doing it now doesn't work that well could we change it so that different traits are brought in? Which I understand the difficulty then of saying like, well, how are you going to do it without someone then being like, oh, now I need to pay a lot more attention, I need to go into the details. But it's like, well, 
what if that worked out better in the long run? We can change things potentially to have that effect. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Um, you just have to get around the fact that most people, uh, maybe that's a bit, bit generic, but a lot of people at least have a very short term uh, her- yeah. kind of uh, view. So the best person for the job may be someone who is kind of, uh, kind of, in, 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 in either a different area or, or is less shouty about it but you need to promote someone right now and this person's you know a decent enough sale, sales what decent enough person at their job and good does a good job selling themselves so kind of might as well uh, kind of do that rather than sifting through and there's a kind of whole time I guess time cost off, offset you have to do there but I, I agree that there will definitely be many circumstances where the, the best person for a role may be someone who is less shouty about their achievements. However, there are also, and again, this is purely in the in the career world, there is also an argument that as you go up the rungs, it becomes less about your ability at doing the job and more about your ability of managing other people. And typically, uh, and again, maybe I'm being uh, reductive, but... Typically, people who are more extroverted make better managers than those who are introverted. At least that is what every course that I have been on has suggested. Maybe that maybe that is wrong, but at least that is the prevailing thing that you are taught. Okay, so I know that was a, a little bit of an abrupt ending, but basically we got super off topic and there was no good place to end it. So I decided just to finish it there. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening and please do rate us and give us feedback. And um, once again, it's You've Got Company on Facebook and Instagram. You've Got Company podcast at gmail.com for email. And we've also got a website you've got company.co.uk thanks to all the interviewees who took part in this episode and hope you enjoyed it bye